Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Breaking Western Podcast. We are now in season five. Dynamic duos, the pairs and the pards of the Western industry. And we are bringing you This one has been a, a while in the making, and that's on our end, but what's new? So we're so excited today to have the creators of the denim that we've all come to know and love, Matt and Amanda Kimes. Hi, guys. I almost did like a dum-dum-dum. <laughs> Wrong tone. <laughs> so their jeans are Sorry, amazing. My their products really perfectly blend Western style with working function. And with a team of over 45 sponsored athletes, which is amazing. Um, And the presence at really, like, all of the big Western events, it feels like their name is everywhere. Times is there. They are are where it's at. So (laughs) we're honored that they're here with us today. Yes. How are you guys? We are doing great. How are you guys doing? We're so good. So, so good. So we want to start this kind of back at the beginning before Kimes was Kimes, when it was, you know, just Matt Kimes. When it was just the last name. <laughs> but how did you guys get your start? What came first? The the brand, the relationship? How did this all come about? In 2006, we started dating. Is that right? Yes. In 2006. Yes. And uh, <laughs> we got married in 2008. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Then we started this business in March of 2009. That part I know. So like most young couples, when they get together, they buy a dog or a cat. And we bought Longhorn cattle. In 2007. In 2007. And we were going to be cattle cattle baron. And um, in order to have a healthy herd, you need a really nice heifer and a steer herd or a a herd steer to uh, have as a pasture ornament because that's how you make baby cows and so we bought a heifer and a steer and their names were betty and barney which is very important to remember and we um wanted to brand them to become cattle barons that created a logo and um shortly thereafter right after we got married we hated the jobs that we had i was um working as a wine rep and i think i drank most of my inventory matt was in the structured settlement finance world we were having a really bad day the economy was crashing we had actually spoken to each other about maybe having something that we did together and had a little bit of a talk about building a brand and uh, circling back to the cows, we actually never really did anything with the logo, um, what became our logo, but we created the we created the brand to actually brand the cows, but we couldn't afford to move past owning two, even breeding the heifer to, to create a herd. So we just had the two in a pasture. And then um, when we decided to build something together, we had both kind of settled on denim uh, because we wanted to see if we could make the hardest thing there was to make ever in the history of clothing and, and start a company. As, as we look back, we should have done t-shirts and hats, but no, let's go with denim. Um, and it was Amanda that came to me and said, you remember that logo you made for the cows a couple of years ago? And I said, yeah, I've got it sketched out. And she goes, that would be pretty cool in a pair of jeans. And so I took that logo and kind of made some adjustments to it to, to, you know, just make it a little, little less brandy looking and, uh, and it didn't take very long. And then such was born our horns. And so was originally supposed to be a brand on cows. And then it became our logo for our, uh, our, our thing. And this was, this was March of 2009. I want to preface, we have zero fashion background or we didn't go to fashion school or do any of that. I didn't go to college. 
So well, you went we, to college, you just didn't quite finish. I didn't college. do well in college. Um, I failed a count three times. It was really bad. So we go to LA. We literally, like on a Tuesday, Matt and I call each other and we quit our jobs. And by Friday, we're in Angeles with like two nickels to rub together. And we are in the garment district and we're looking around trying to figure out how to make a pair of jeans. So we, we went around knocking on doors just to find denim because we knew we needed denim. We knew we needed a pattern maker. And then we didn't know how to actually get it subcontracted to make. We were going to figure that out. So this after is we fun. The denim. So I was going to, I have a sewing machine, you know, like that my grandma gave me when I was in high school. And I was going to sew the first few pair of jeans we ever wore. And that did with, not, with, with no sewing background, that did not come, <laughs> that did not work. Not at all. No. So the first few places we knock on, we, they, you know, you have to go in and, and there's like, you have to go talk to the receptionist and get an appointment and all that. And we keep asking, do you have, um, and they're like, no, we have, you know, chiffon and we have satin and we have, you know, all that, but we don't have denim. So they, the next place and then the next place. And we were there for probably two days before we came across the place that sold supplies so that would be where you get your vanilla paper uh, manila, manila paper manila paper all your measuring everything you need for your chocolate paper your strawberry things like, paper. Things like that um, we were sitting there talking to the guy he's asking about our brand and we were super excited hey we're gonna do this that and the other but we can't find any denim and he goes well the number one jobber is right around the corner and a jobber, if anybody doesn't know what that is, is an individual or a company that buys overrun material. Uh, that could be denim. It could be anything from, from majors that are like discontinuing. And then they turn around and sell them off to, to people like ourselves that were small, just needed material in there. So we went, we went down and knocked on that guy's door and we walked into a wall of denim. And that was our introduction to to jeans to jeans and basically this wall had uh, it had to have a hundred swatches on it that were probably six by six inches and it had all the specs on it telling you how much yardage there was and what the weight was and what the weft and all the stuff that we didn't know anything about at the time and so when he asked us what we were looking for we were like um, um denim he's yeah. like well he literally goes no shit what kind of denim and we're like uh, the kind and he was like, do you know what you're doing? And we were like, no. So then, so then he goes. <laughs> this guy's name is Cena. And we worked with him up until just a few years ago when we now we, we go direct to the mill anymore. And he was a really interesting gentleman. He, he taught us a lot, but he smoked like a sieve. So he smoked nonstop. So his whole shop was filled with smoke. We used to take our kids in there. He was a nice guy, though. He, kind of, he, he, was, he helped us along. And then so we just narrowed it down. We're like, uh, how about USA made down? And then he goes, well, then this, this hundred swatch section of the wall got moved down to about five swatches. Wow. He's like, here's what you want to look at. And from there, we, we found, oh, three or four different denims we liked. And, and we bought yards from him, you know, 30 yards, 40 yards, whatever it was at the time that we knew that could make a few pairs of jeans. And we walked out of there with our roll of denim and our vanilla manila paper that vanilla. we had gotten down the road to go home and make a pattern, which we didn't have. Yeah. So we came home from Los Angeles. We landed in Phoenix. We uh, drove. We were, we were driving. We're so point. excited. We get home. Um, and now we don't know what this pair of jeans is going to look like. We realize that Amanda can't sew. So, <laughs> so then, we do what you do next when you are trying to source, you we know, we went to Craigslist and we found this girl just out of 
some fashion school in Arizona, which I'm fairly certain she lied about because there isn't a fashion school in Arizona, but we believed her at the time. We <laughs> took our, we met her at a Starbucks and she took our stuff, all our, vanilla paper manila paper sketches sketches, which were hysterical we saved these sketches i can't draw a stick figure so you can imagine what these sketches look like um she took all the the denim we just bought and she went home and sewed it she too sewed it on her home sewing machine which i probably looking back could have done a better job seven weeks later and like two thousand dollars which is not what it costs to make a pattern we meet her back in same Starbucks and start trying on these jeans she had made. And Matt tries them on and his crotch rips out, like his butt's hanging out in Starbucks. My jeans don't even fit. They don't even have a zipper on them. In that moment, the universe is blatantly telling us, you cannot do this. And Matt and I were so thrilled to have a pair of jeans in our hand that all we could see was just the, the mass empire we are going to create someday. And I'm pretty sure the entire Starbucks like, you guys are on the wrong path. <laughs> we were not to be deterred, we even were, though we should have been. We should deterred. have been. We came home and met with all of our friends and showed them these hideous jeans, which we've kept. And I'm pretty sure our friends were scheduling an intervention on us because we had quit our jobs. We had no money. We, we did not. We should not have been doing it this way. And um, we were all we could see was just like the glory that was about to come. And uh, so then we were it was somewhere about this time that we were sitting at home talking about it and one of those tv shows comes on about how things are made on the discovery channel and that episode we could probably look it up had denim on it how a pair of jeans was made and it started through the whole process and we looked at each other and we realized a that it was kismet we were supposed to do this and b we had no idea what the hell we were doing so we had to make a, we had a plan in which to find somebody that could actually make the denim for us so I went online and I was never able to recreate this list, but I found a list of about 35 different potential contractors in LA. And it took me probably a day and a half to find this list. And I called everybody on it. And now this is, oh no. And it was pretty much a ghost town. Everything. So the, the recession's happening. Everything in LA is boarded up. Um, you know, you'd call one company and they're, or, out. And they're, they're out, out of business. business. So we finally, it was like the 30th person that I called and he was like, I've been waiting for your phone call. You need to come over here. Let's have a talk. So we drove back to LA and we walked in with our, our little pattern, our crappy pair of jeans and our roll of denim. And the dude should have walked, laughed us out of the building. Like and, in that moment, he should have been like, what are you doing? And this was a true cutting facility. That was the first time that we'd ever seen any any cutting tables laid out. We don't mean cutting like there's horses around with cattle. This is like big, <laughs> long tables. And you roll out your rolls of fabric and then they cut it with the machine. Like it's very legitimate. Yeah, I mean, there was, facility. There, they had hand cutting machines. They had a Gerber machine that could cut anything. I mean, everything was, it, it was uh, overwhelming to walk into, but here talking to us about you know like what we can do and he looks at our pack and he goes i i can fix this for you and he makes a phone call and this gal shows up about 45 minutes to an hour late later and she looked at our product and was like you can do the voice better than i can her name was so these people that we're telling you about we still work with like we've made this amazing relationship junior is the guy that cut for us and leslie just retired she's made almost every pattern we've ever had and she's got this wild hair and this high-pitched voice and she walks in she goes oh, okay this is really bad i can make it better <laughs> and she goes 
And Matt and I are like, okay. So she, she's just taken off with all of our prized possessions and any money we had invested in this at the time. And she shows back an hour later and it costs us a hundred dollars per, per, per pattern. pattern. And she had what is now known as the Betty jean. And at the time was our first men's jean, which is called the Barney. Now remember those names. What did I tell you our cows names were when we first bought our cows? So the Betty and Barney. And then, and then from there we cut, uh, we took, we, we went and decided to cut how many? We made 300 men's jeans and no, we no, made no, 150 we... men's jeans and 150 women's jeans. Yeah. Mm. We cut like 30 samples first. That was dumb. Instead of cutting one sample each and trying it, making a decision, we cut like 30 samples of each. We didn't know what we were doing. We didn't know what we were doing. And then from there, we went and made, we made a run. So skipping forward, within a few days, we've now made a full run and in the line. And we it took us a few weeks to get those turned, but... We then took them to horse shows and we had a motorhome that was her mother's grandmother's, I should say. She had just passed away and somehow her mom had inherited it. So she gave it to us to use. So we rode this motorhome pulling a little Cooper up the road with, with our dogs and our 300 pair of jeans going to the next horse show to start selling it. And we pull in and all of our friends, again, the, the look on their face, like what in the heck are you doing? And at the time, everything on the women's side was super low rise. It was the height of Miss Me. So it was very bedazzled and overprocessed. And, and here we came out with a gene that was what people now would be considered a lower rise, but it was mid rise. And it was dark and it was slim fitting and it wasn't as, as uh, flare leg as it was back in the day. And, and our men's gene was a lot more straight leg and slimmer. Not as slim as today's jeans, but definitely slimmer than what you would have seen in 2009, which would everything was super baggy. And we went around from horse show to rodeo. We couldn't sell them at a horse show. We took them to a swap meet. We sold them. We this. I think a really low point for us was we took the motor home and we parked it on the side of the road and we had a card that says jeans for like $50. And we were inviting random people into our motor home to take off their pants and try on jeans. None. Not one person did it, but we did. We sat on the side of the road a lot. We had friends to sell that jeans. would drive by and then they would call her. Be like, what in the hell are you doing? So this is, we're still only about four months into the whole. Yeah, this is still really early. We realized too, that we were getting pushback from our friends and family that our product was really good, but it needs some, some adjustment, but we needed to get away from Arizona, California, people that we knew. So we started to go down the road and in doing so we went like to Oklahoma, we went to Texas. We just kind of got away. We still had friends and people we knew out there, but they were, they weren't our everyday friends that kind of knew what the struggles were. They just thought, Hey, this is kind of a cool concept. And ever so slowly, it started to kind of catch on that our product was a, a bit different, that it that it was made well, that it fit well, because it, it had all the attributes that we wanted it to in that, in that it was, uh, you know, comfortable and stylish and, and functional. So so those were our very, very early days. It was just her and I. It was just Matt and I. The dogs. And then, the dogs. And then we started having kids and we had two kids within like 18 months apart. That was smart. We used to drive around LA where we'd make a run of jeans. So we'd go over there, we'd make a run and we'd stay at the, at the Malibu, Malibu Beach, Beach RV, RV Park. And then we'd <laughs> drive in. 
So it because it, there at night we would be back in Malibu on on the beach. And again, we're broke. So like, there's this little fish stand at the the bottom. You had to kind of to get into the Malibu Beach RV park. You had to drive up the hill, and at the base of the mountain was this little bitty fish stand. And we would stop at night and buy your fresh fish, and then like barbecue. go up and barbecue it and the. Uh, and then you go, the and then you drive back into town, and then you kind of cruise around LA and do what you need, and come back. It was actually kind of a good. Looking back on it, it was a really good time. Other than the stress of are we going to make it? Yeah, like every pair of jeans was like, oh look, we can buy gas right yeah. now or yeah, whatever. Yeah, everything we sold was the most important thing. We've done. But as far as like just being together and and whatnot and being in it together, it was it was a really a good time for that. That is so nice. Think that. <laughs> uh, took a we you know, we took a run all the way up. Uh, we stayed at Morro Bay one time, and then we took this motorhome over the Golden Gate. And this, through San it was Francisco. a romantic time. It was. It actually was. We had our dogs with us. It was good. Um, then we started having kids, and then uh, at one point, when we fast forward to a couple years in, she and I were in. Uh, where were we? we? We made this big run through the summer, and we were in Oklahoma. We've been in all over Oklahoma. We've been in Texas. We'd basically been on the road for about two and a half, three months. And we pulled into a hotel. And we were on our way home. But we pulled into this hotel and our little three-year-old boy looked up at the hotel and goes, home. And at that point, Amanda looked at me and she goes, get me, get me back home. If our child thinks the hotel's home, we can get out of here. <laughs> so we made our way back home and... Um, turned around, did it again. Yeah, turned around, did it again. Just kept plugging away. I feel like we're rambling here, but you probably have some questions of us. <laughs> I was so deep in that no, story. That was an amazing I was story. seeing visuals. <laughs> I, that was awesome. So 2014, we have a relaunch. There's this whole story with it, but it's a sad story. We don't want to tell it, but we didn't uh, operate in the, in the year 2013 due to some partner issues. Yada, yada. We relaunched in 2014. And the first person we hire is our marketing director, Lindsay Periton. And she sits us down and she says, you guys need to rebrand. You need a new name. You got to put your name on it. And Matt and I reluctantly were like, okay, fine. We'll call it Times Ranch. So um, Lindsay, Matt, and I would sit in our office, which is still our office now. We've just expanded on it. And there's three of us sitting around and the freaking phone would like never ring. Like we were like, oh my God. But this was when, you know, your website, I'm sure all of you with like, you know, new businesses or uh, you're still so excited. Every time you have a sale, you get like a cha-ching on your phone. So we'd get like one of those or two of those a week and we'd be so excited. And so you'd wait for the cha-ching on your phone, but the phone would never ring. But then when it did ring, they'd be like, hi, can I speak to, you know, the director of marketing or the accounting team or whatever? So we would make these aliases up. So our team looked much bigger than it was. Um, like I was Amanda Kimes and then I was also um, Barbara Coleman, who... I hope no one now is hearing this. Somebody and knew who Barbara Coleman was. <laughs> How come that Barbara Coleman never called me back? But um, and then you know we had you know enough a fake customer service person and whatever because we didn't want to look like this small brand that we were at the time. We wanted to look so much bigger, so we had an alias roster of like ten people. But it also served a purpose because they would always come at you for everything, or or you could you were always good cop, right? And so when people owed you money or you needed to do a deal, they 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 wouldn't take you seriously. So if you had an accounting department that would call for collections or whatnot, so we would send emails out as Barbara Coleman and then suddenly we'd get checks back. 
But if we send an email out as Amanda Kimes, it would be 50 reasons why I can't send it. To oh, you. and then we were always like, oh, that, but like someone would, Barb would never speak on the phone, right? She's no, busy. And so they'd call me be like, oh, I need to speak with Barb. We're like, oh, are you sure she's out today? But oof, can you just send her an email? And they'd be like, oh, is she awful? I'm like, oh, she's mean. <laughs> <laughs> team but you've never been a small team <laughs> right yeah yeah so there were literally three of us in there and then we hired um our sales manager who's been with us forever and then it just started growing from there and now i think i counted the other day i think we're at 75 and we're hiring more as we speak amazing wow then at the at the beginning of this because you said you were doing something that was so different from what was out there did the two of you always share the same vision for this style that you were developing? Was this something that happened intentionally? And how did you both contribute to the design process? Like, were there certain things that you wanted to contribute? Um, and did you always agree on those? Actually, yes, we always agree on that for the most part. Matt is pretty solely the men's, he still is very involved in designing the men's side of stuff, especially jeans. And I always handled the women's side and we never got in the way of one another. Um, we would bounce it off each other. Though. Yeah, we'd be like, what do you think? Or whatever, that I, I prefer this. But we always let each other kind of have their vision. And our design process in general is so different from one another that I couldn't even try it. Like, we just stay in each other's lane. Like, stay how, out of each other's lane. How do you do it compared to me? I focus, for one. <laughs> I pull inspiration. I pull inspiration of what I want things to look like. And, and I want to feel, I want the hand to be a certain way. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of pull it together that way. I think, I think I, that's the, the easiest way for me to work off of it. I try to help her with that. And then she's like, finally, one day she just said, will you please let me do it my way? And I was like, okay, that's fine. Yeah. Um, but I think from the beginning, we were both on the same page that we want everything we wanted to make to be reflective of what our logo and our brand was which we considered to be um minimalistic is the term we used in the beginning now we call it uncomplicated everything out there was especially on the women's side everything was an accessory so you had women wearing you know overly overly bedangled jeans and then crazy boots and crazy and so everything was an accessory and there wasn't any staple to their to their piece or you know staple piece to their wardrobe and we were like a pair of jeans ought to be something you can wear once or twice in a row and not have everybody notice that you've been wearing it because if you're wearing an accessory they go you wore those yesterday right so you we both had that same idea on the women's and the men's side not, nothing super over processed and all that and then we went in our lane and made what we wanted it to look like and they happened to look pretty close to each other you know not not exactly but they fit the same mold and the same mold going for and then it kind of stayed stays from there and then as we got further into it and started expanding the line that that story kind of remains the same so the women's side still complements the men's. You're not going to have anything that's crazy on one side that's not on the other, or vice versa. So that you you kind of see a piece on the one side and and understand that it makes sense for what we're doing on the other one. So you really marry the two sides. <laughs> uh, I see what you did there. So then, as you're building out then this team of employees, now that you've grown to this size. 
how have you built that team out to make sure that all of your visions align and that you're still working together in this really cohesive way to build up like this, just these staple items for your, for a wardrobe? So there's like two cardinal rules that you should follow to start a business, right? One, I guess it's three cardinals. One, don't work with your spouse. <laughs> two, do not hire your family. And three, whatever you do, don't hire your closest friends. So take all those three rules and just totally ignore them and do it anyway. So we've brought in our closest family and friends because they one, they've seen the struggle that we've been through and they know how hard we've worked to get where we are and they appreciate that. And they're, they're not going to do anything to, to detriment that they believe in it with us. They've been on this journey and two, they believe they understand the vision because they've watched us cry over it for the last, however long we've been 13 years or so. So they, we brought, you know, you bring them in as we go. And, um, and they, then they were all good at what they, they all have their respective roles. So it, you know, I think that that's been really pivotal in keeping our culture the same. And then anyone that we have brought in, that's not, you know, in our immediate group, um, honestly, they all have an agricultural background. We've tried to hire people with no agricultural background and we feel that the work ethic just isn't the same. People don't believe in something or take ownership of anything. So we really, you know, it's not an absolute requirement, but if you have an ag background, it certainly gives you a, a head start with us because we know that you understand that what it, what it takes done. to get the job done. You're caring for something other than yourself, whether it be livestock or farming or whatever. And I think that that's just a really important tool. Also, um, hiring our marketing director was, a, was in her understanding our vision and being able to help create our culture and telling that story to the world um, was one of our biggest uh, things that we did correct. And then um, our designer that we brought in when things were getting too large for us to continue to design on our own. Um, this can be kind of tricky and it still remains tricky as you add people to the designing team because the creatives in the world, all not all of them have business acumen. They're very good at what they do creatively, but they don't necessarily see what they're doing as something that needs to ultimately be able to sell to, a, to an audience as opposed just being their work of art, so to speak. And you can go down that road of fashion and find people that make amazing pieces, but don't necessarily fit your culture or make sense for what you do or are easy to sell because they might be too early. They might be too far out there, things like that. So finding somebody that can take your vision, understand what you're doing and understand what the audience you're trying to sell it to make that product or help you create that product was was a, it was a coup to, for us to be able to find somebody that could work with us and understand and not have, I guess, keep their ego in check, so to speak. That, hey, you're, I'm giving you these awesome designs and you're turning them all down because you don't know what you're doing, so to speak. But we, we found those two people have been huge for us um, in the early stages. Now, beyond that, you know, growing a sales team and all that, having those be people that we know have also been helpful. But I would say that the marketing director and the lead designer were two big gets for us, as a bet for lack of a better term. And they're still with us and they do a wonderful job for us. 
So it sounds like, I mean, it sounds like in terms of finding your lead designer, that was just more, it was trial and error, but it was fortunate that you ran into her at this denim store, right? And then finding your marketing person, has this been trial and error the whole way through? Or how do you keep those open lines of communication? Or how have you made sure that you are on the same page from the start to build that solid foundation that Kimes has then built itself on and grown from over the years? So there's really no, there's, it's an interesting world that we live in, in the, in the fashion or, or the clothing industry. Uh, there's so many talented people out in the industry that can help be helpful to our brand and others, but there's no real directory on how to find these people. And mm. everybody's pretty, everybody's pretty guarded when they do have those people because they don't want others to get it from, yeah. take them from you, so to speak. So there's, so there's, you can't just go to somebody else and say, Hey, I'm trying to find a designer because nobody's really going to help you out. Or I need to find a cutter or a sewer or something. So it, it, it becomes over time of being in the industry and having people approach you and, or networking, just word of mouth or meeting people that you finally start establishing these relationships. We found our designer through our, our rep that was helping us with our ball caps. And we had gone from just doing ball caps as a blank and selling them here and there because, hey, it had our brand on it. People thought it was cool. To then we started really understanding that we needed to create a line of ball caps that told the story of Kimes Ranch. And it was an easy buy for people and grow that, that category to where it probably would be sell the most units annually. And we didn't see that in the beginning. So this individual came to us and, and, and he'd been in the industry mostly on the, on the action sports side. And he was trying to find a new a new uh, place to get into, and he got into the Western world, and he found us and saw our brand, and he kind of helped guide us in how to make how to make hats and build a thing. And then he said, "I think I have a person that can help you take your whole line to a certain level, but especially your ball caps." Well, then when we interviewed this individual, we come to realize that his background was even larger than just design. I mean, he he understood the production, and he'd been in the industry twenty some years. He had his own connections and. And so we started working with him and now we're here seven years later and he's our lead designer and he has a team below him of people that, you know, he comes to us for the season and talks about what the vision is and he takes it back to his people and they create the line and then bring it back to us for approvals and changes. So networking, that big long winded story was basically being <laughs> in it and being around it and networking is what gets you to that point uh because there is no directory where you can just go oh, let's call this guy and that'll work it just it's just time and finding that right person sometimes you stumble across it and sometimes it takes forever mm. oh that's so good i'm so inspired by this whole thing this is amazing i had no idea yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I'm floored because you see Kimes and we like it's such a luxury brand in my mind and it's also everywhere. everywhere. You can't go to a horse show. You can't go to a Western event. You can't watch Yellowstone. You can't, you know, and it, it's Kimes everywhere. So this was a dream guest for us to have on today. And can you, Matt and Amanda, thank you so much. And can you tell the people where they can find you online? Obviously everywhere, but where can they find you? So if you go online, obviously you can purchase there, but in order to get like a fitting, you can go to our directory and that'll tell you what retailer 
near you has our product. And which product category they have. And then we also have our flagship store um, in the stockyards, which is actually being built out as we speak. So we'll have a brand new fancy store in the stockyards, hopefully for fall. And uh, yeah, we've appreciated being here. Thank you guys so much. Amazing. Oh, thank y'all. This was incredible. Um, so I really hope that anybody who was looking for tidbits of advice on how to get started, they have a dream of something that they want to do, but don't know where to get started. I think you're this welcome interview today <laughs> was a reminder to just get started. Yeah. The best way it. to get started is to get, get started. started. One takeaway from that for us, we always tell the story and her, her version and mine, but mine is correct. We used to talk about built starting this and, and we were ha both having a bad day and it was her that came to me and said, if we don't start it, we never will. We'll just always talk about it. And I, we, she's like, I don't know what that means, but we have to start it. And so that was when we just said, okay. And we committed to starting that and we went out and did it. Now, you know, that could be for anybody that, that starts whatever they want. You, you, you can talk and dream about it, but you just have to go do it. Whatever little thing it is that gets you started. You just have to go do it. And then you're in. Oh, goosebumps. <laughs> that was good. That was so good. This was amazing. Well, yeah. that's going to yeah. keep me motivated for, I don't know, the rest of forever. Anytime Amen. I need a little kick in the pants, <laughs> kick in the jeans. Kick in the jeans, kick in the if you will. A little kick in the kinds. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Matt and Amanda, so much. Truly, uh, we can't say enough. This was incredible. Um, so... Everybody listening, if you're not following times, get online, do that. Check out their store um, online. Check out their store when it opens and go get yourself a pair. So thank you so much for being here and we'll see you we'll next, next week. week.